Hello and welcome to the Complaint Desk. Drop your complaints in the bin on your way out. We're just two worship pastors discussing all things worship and church leadership. I'm Danny, I'm here with Doug, and we're here to help you navigate the life and ministry of a worship pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's jump right in. Hello, sir. Hey, what's going on? Man, this is different, isn't it? We're streaming live on YouTube yeah. and recording and all this good stuff. Yeah. I have to pay attention now. <laughs> it's a lot to manage all at once, isn't it? Yeah. But hey, it's all good. And also, we're not typical here because uh, I'm looking out my window and it's dark. And normally, we're doing this on Friday morning, not Thursday night at almost 9 o'clock. But... Yeah, I've got all the mood lighting on, so my room is all good. Uh, I have no mood lighting. I'm just hanging in my office, and the only one here in the building. So if you see me jump up and freak out, you know I heard something, and it's it creeped me out. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're glad to see uh, everybody tonight. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, for those of you joining us on YouTube, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, and for you, those of you listening to this later, we certainly do appreciate that as well. So uh, we got a lot. Uh, to get to tonight so we're going to go ahead and get started brother and you know like we do every week what uh, we want to talk about what God is is doing uh, through our studies this week through our reading of his word through maybe our times of worship whatever you've got going on in your life this week Uh, so tell us man what's what's going on with you right now well our church right now is going through a bit of a transition Um, I think I mentioned that in our first podcast Um, and we're about ready to on the cusp we're about to vote on the 14th for a new senior pastor new lead pastor i'm super excited about that yeah uh so uh, it seems like everything god has been bringing about in my life has pointing been pointing to that and just uh really getting a fresh start embracing him embracing his family uh so really looking forward to doing that um but god has been good through us good to us through this transition he's he's taught our church a lot uh, we've come together in unity uh, quite a bit, so uh, it's just a lot. Yeah. There's a lot in that. So those transitions are always interesting, and um, you know that's something that we will talk about one one of these days. Uh, transitions they're inevitable, mm-hmm. um, whether it's for you or whether it's for another staff person or people in and out of your church. I mean, there's always transition, and so you know those are always interesting times. But uh, yeah, it's a good word, man. I, you know, we've been praying for you all, and I hope that. Uh, you know, I hope this is the, this is the ticket for you guys is to, to kind of take that step forward. Um, I want to share a little bit. Uh, I've been reading, uh, moved on into Romans this week. And uh, of course, as you know, I mean, Romans is, Romans is just full of all kinds of great stuff. But in Romans two, um, you know, he's talking about judgment. I got thinking about this a lot. You know, what is the thing that you hear online? No, you don't, don't judge me. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. You, you hear these things all the time. Uh, and Paul writes this. He says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So, you know, I mean, that's what that's getting at there is, really we we have no right to judge because we're we are guilty of the exact same things uh when you're doing what you're preaching against if you will i mean you're condemning yourself in in judging and condemning the other person so just just walking through some of that this week just kind of stopping as i think about our culture where the culture is and and just where things seem to be in general um uh, you know i just spent a lot of time thinking on that this week you know where am i quick to judge and yeah, and where do I really need to back off? You know, because let's face it, I mean, we're judgmental people. We just are. Yeah. So uh, that's really been on my heart uh, as I read that uh, just a few days ago. But um, I'm a little bit past that at that's this good. point. But God is so good, man, to teach us, to teach us all kinds of things through His Word. Uh, and it doesn't matter if who knows how many times I've read Romans, but. Oh, I know. Every time and something, something comes new. out. Every time, the God just uses it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's good. So as we get started tonight, um, one of the things that we wanted to get into as we are 
uh, working with um, music and things like that is how do we how do we evaluate worship songs? So this is not necessarily a song that we have in our repertoire that we've been doing for you know ten years, fifteen years. I mean, although it's, it is often good to to go back and reevaluate those, but. But as we start thinking about new songs, and whether that's a contemporary song, whether it's a, a new hymn, or whether it's even, like I said, an old hymn that maybe we don't even know, um, you know, we how do we how do we look at those songs? How do we know that what we're doing is is good, is profitable for the church? Um, so, Doug, why don't you kick us off, man? I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this, so. Lay the truth on us, brother. (laughs) Lay the truth on you. All right. So here's the truth. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. God is using me every day and teaching me and and growing me. And uh, 20 years of ministry, and I probably still know, I learned less now than I did before. Uh, But, you know, you and I have put obviously a little bit of a script together, so we're kind of going off of that. But um, as I kind of look through here, what you were saying kind of made me think about when you're talking about what God's teaching you lately. Um, and it made me think of this, understanding that that music that you listen to personally, uh, there's a big difference between that music you would use in a church. You're leading a church. You're leading a congregation of people yeah. to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. So in that, uh, there's a ton of things. So making sure the song is, is singable, making sure it's in the right key, uh, for that kind of stuff. We've kind of talked a little bit about that stuff before. Um, and we touched on the theological aspects of it, making sure it's, it's, it's right with scripture and and making sure it matches up. Mm. A big part of my job is working with my senior pastor. And I know you've mentioned that as well, that you work Mm -hmm. with your senior pastor in, in choosing music. That's right. I know a lot of pastors who don't do that. And it, it's really, it's hard <laughs> because you're always, I just saw on Facebook today on a worship forum and a guy was asking a question. He was a young youth pastor and he said, you know, my, my pastor came in and asked me about what I was going to do for Easter. And I don't know if I've had that experience because usually I'm talking to my senior pastor, Hey, what are we planning for Easter? And let's get together and do this. But he was like, I don't know what to do. My pastor really didn't tell me. He's like, what are you doing new for Easter? And he was a little bit lost in that. So I realized our context, we're working with our pastor our lead pastor yep. in most cases. Yep. And a lot of guys are not, they're just kind of held out there in, in the wings. So these kind of principles that we're talking about tonight is going to help a lot. Theologically accurate, um, making sure that you're not singing heresy oh, yeah. or that kind of points oh. to heresy. It, it's so important. I can't tell you how many times I've seen uh, worship leaders, worship pastors pick a song and it's just painfully obvious to everyone in the room. And that's not, real biblically accurate god of earth and outer space song to sing. oh goodness yeah yeah um a big one of of mine what's the old hymn uh, in the garden i love that song it's got some beautiful melody to it but it's it's so not very biblical yeah. <laughs> to use but i mean that, those are songs like that um but anyway what i was going to say was understanding there's a likely difference between music you use for your congregation and the music that you use personally, just because you like a cool song that de- that talks to you, it may not be singable in your congregation, you know, for a, mon- a number of reasons. Yeah, we actually, believe it or not, um, we had this conversation, I think it was last night in my house. Uh, my youngest was talking about, um, well, dad, why don't you do this song in worship? I'm like, but that's not really, uh, <laughs> that's not a singable song yeah. for most people. I mean, that's, that's. You know, I don't know that I can it's sing Leonard that. Skinner, son. We don't use that. <laughs> Classic rock never fits. Yeah, yeah, it never fits. <laughs> no matter no matter what some people try to do. No, but but that no, that's a really good word. And you know, I think you know we talked. We've been talking about this right from the start. Theologically, what we're singing, um, what we're reading, really needs to. We've got to do a good job of evaluating what we're singing because oftentimes we sing things, they just don't line up with what we actually believe. I mean, as I look through, yeah. uh, let, me, let me say this, hymns are in some ways they're particularly bad because hymns are written from certain perspectives, right? So you've got, 
Um, well, let's and let's different denominations. Of course, and, yeah, of course. So let, let's throw yeah. let's throw a little generalization out there. Baptists generally are dispensationalist. Um, if you don't know mm-hmm. what that means, maybe we'll talk about that one time. But Baptists generally are dispensationalist, pre-tribulation rapture kind of belief. But then you have songs that that we tend to love, like Battle Hymn of the Republic, for example. Um, that is very post-trib. It just is. Yeah. Um, and and I, yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying don't sing that. But I am saying if your church is staunchly pre-trib, and that's something that you know you've got that in your constitution, you will not sing post-trib songs, and you better leave that one out because it's pretty clear mm-hmm. that you're going through the battle. So. You, you know, you just need to be aware of those things. That every point, song, yeah. every song has, particularly hymns, they have a certain direction that they're pointing. They're, they have a certain uh, bent that they are following. Let's just say it that way. And so read the lyrics, understand the lyrics, and you need to understand theologically, one, what you believe, and two, what your church believes. Because those two things... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you should be operating from. You know, what does your church believe? Are you, you know, do you believe in predestination? So are, are, you, are you more reformed? Are you more free will kind of uh, belief? Or, you know, are you pre-trib? Are you post-trib? Where, where does your church generally fall? And where do you fall? Know, know your theological concepts, too, because... These things they will ultimately add up to what we're trying to do, right? So what you sing will be kind of in a lot of ways what you believe, right? So so focus on that message. Should be. Yeah, yeah, it should be. <laughs> should it really be. should be. Should be. So focus on that message. Evaluate that message because if you don't know what that hymn is saying, you better not sing it, right? Yeah, and, and something else. Does it have a clear biblical message? I think that's important too. Now, yeah, we know the wealth of songs that are out there. And speaking in the contemporary realm, one of the hits that that contemporary music takes is it's just not deep. You know, you hear the the Seven Eleven terms, you know, that kind of thing, and it's just not deep. Yep. I, you know, and I'm not much concerned about those kinds of things. Is it biblically accurate, and is it does it communicate a biblical message? Right. You may be singing strictly about just the love of God or one of his attributes in particular, and does it communicate it clearly, or is it ambiguous? Again, we're not talking about fun song or anything like that. We're talking about, you know, a clear biblical message, theologically accurate, uh, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, one of the other things I had was um, it, it needs to fit a purpose that you're using. I think a lot of worship leaders miss this. It needs to fit a certain purpose that your church is is using. If you're in a missions conference, let's say, and you're you don't want to use songs that, that, that don't point to that way, you know, point to that. You want to have something that that's, you know, within the realms of what we've talked about before, but um, you want it to be useful for your church and you want it to fit a, a message. So that's important too. Yeah. Come alongside of what, what your, you what your ultimate goal is for what you're doing. You know, your yeah, service is yeah. going to have a, a direction. Um, whether yeah, you, and hopefully your service has a direction <laughs> and you hopefully, know, you know what I, it is, I've, <laughs> you know, I've sang it some, I've, I've, I've heard, I'll put it this way. I've heard stories <laughs> of worship pastor friends of mine that, that just feel like, you know, their lead pastor just leaves them out there on the limb and they have no idea what to pick. And I would encourage you worship pastor, worship leader, find out what your pastor's doing on Sunday. Find out what he's preaching. Get a sneak peek at his text. You know, uh, our transitional pastor. Don't steal his Bible. Uh, sends me a copy of his text. Yeah, don't steal his Bible. But he sends me a copy of his text. And there's been a couple times, Danny, that I've looked at his text and I'm like, wow, the songs I picked have nothing to do with this. Yeah, I missed you know, the mark. And I'll go back and maybe change something, you know. Yeah, so that's important. Yeah, the other thing, too, is um, we, we find this a lot. Um, if, if you've never come across it, um, I, I'm shocked, but the other thing you don't want to do is you're not, I, I want to, I want to be real careful how I say this because music is inherently emotional, but you mm-hmm. don't want yes. to use, and see, this is what, let's go back to what you said in the garden. This is what in the garden does. It pulls at your heartstrings, 
Right. It is designed to get emotion out of you. And the dew <laughs> is still on the roses. Yeah, very poetic. Yeah. It, it is, I mean, I don't have a problem with necessarily with the lyrics from a just a written lyric kind of thing, but but we sing that and and maybe it's not the best the best lyric we can sing because it's designed to draw that emotion out. And so instead of pointing people to Jesus, what are we doing? We're pointing them internally. Does this tug your heartstrings? Yeah. Does does this does this bring the single tear rolling down your cheek as you're singing it? Well, yeah, and and let me be clear with that. When I'm singing on Sunday and I'm leading our folks in worship, inevitably the gospel message moves me. It might move me to to move, you know, to actually move mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. raise hands, cry, be emotional, be joyful, be happy. Uh, those are good things. Mm-hmm. If it's just moving you for the sake of moving you because it's it's a, a tearful sob story or we want you to put uh, money you know, in the offering more plate. Of what we would see right right a, a tearjerker what was it and i don't want to throw names out here but you know we've seen television televangelists you know they always know what kind of music to play right at the offertory right oh, yeah. at the the prayer time and 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 it's meant to draw that emotion i have to understand that i'm i'm leading that I have a responsibility before mm-hmm. God and, and and I'm at the head of that. So I need to be careful what I'm doing with music and choosing music. Well, we want but it as to, long as it's, it's Christ centric. Yeah. We want it to facilitate that connection, right? That that's what we're after. Right. We, we, we don't want to break that connection. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to come out of a service where the spirit is really just working on hearts. And it's clear that the mm-hmm. messages had an impact on the people. And then we turn around with victory in Jesus. Yeah, something fast and, and loud. Nothing wrong at all with victory right in Jesus. Now, victory in Jesus is always appropriate. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong. I'm not knocking the song because, you know, it's certainly a fun one to play no. on piano. But, um, you know, that's you just you need to be aware, again, of what your service flow is, what that context looks like. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago as we talked about planning the service. Don't do it for the emotion, but also don't pull people out of what the Holy Spirit is working on in their lives. In, in that moment. Right. So let's, let, let's move this forward just a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about, um, we, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but as we talk about these, uh, particularly newer songs, um, you know, there are, uh, let's just say issues. I, I'm not, please hear me. I'm not throwing stones at this, but let's just say there, there are issues with what some of these songwriters believe with the way that they um, express their theology with the way that they maybe operate their services. I I am going to give you a couple of examples because I want to be very clear what we're talking about. You know, think about Elevation. Um, They're writing some Mm -hmm. really great stuff right now. But if you look at their service... one Sunday. (laughs) um, I might be. Um, but as you look at their service, as you listen to the preaching and the teaching that's happening there, it's very, um, it's bordering on prosperity if it's not crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a very public thing that they have caught criticism for. Oh, let's talk about Bethel. Bethel is very emotionally manipulative in their services. Um, um, yeah. You know, they, they just are. Um how about Hillsong? I mean, they're in a lot of ways theologically they're kind of they're teetering on the rails anyway. I mean, some of their pastors have have uh, yeah have said things uh, that so maybe are not uh, <laughs> not the way a traditional Christian belief would go. So so as we think about those, I mean, as I say those now, I've used all of their music. Uh, like like you said, I mean, there's probably yeah. some on Sunday. So. Right. How do we how do we navigate that? Um, you, you know, are we by singing their songs? Are we giving blanket approval to what they're doing, or can we effectively select certain songs that we like, and 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 not not necessarily be concerned with what's going on there? What, what's your take on that? I've battled over this, and like I said, I've been in ministry for 20 years, and I have I have battled this in my own heart and mind, mm-hmm. and I have been on all sides of it, to be honest. Um, there was a time in my life where if you were uh, 
according to our theological beliefs, and I understand other folks have different mm-hmm. theological beliefs, but according to us in the Baptist circles, if if there's something that's a bit suspect there, you know, we've kind of always been taught stay completely far, far, far away from it. Oh, yeah. I'm not so much that way anymore, to be honest, because what we have learned recently, and, and this opens up a huge can of worms, the, the cancel culture that, that we're in. So we affectionately see someone in sin and we cast stones and we just cancel everything. Uh, the, mm. the Ravi Zachariah thing comes to mind uh, of recent. Um, and let me be clear that that was the most heinous sin being involved with that and doing that and being a leader and, mm. and having that happen. And um, my heart prayers go to the, the people, women that were affected by that. But is it everything that he had and everything under his ministry now all tainted? You know, and it's kind of the same mm-hmm. look as we look and evaluate Bethel and Elevation and, and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, we have to look at the sin, and you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. Evaluate that under God, and, and there's really none of us that could put anything up worthy. Right. Um, and again, I'm not dismissing those things because there's. I think there's certain... Uh, things that discipline and recompense and, and, and sure Paul though even says that our, that our best works are filthy rags right 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 and 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 quoting that Isaiah passage uh, Isaiah passage there so kind of here's where I'm at with this at, at this point in time what God has taught me I need to be on my toes I need to be cautious mm-hmm. I am leading God's people in worship I'm responsible for that. My lead pastor is responsible for that. We stand before the Lord. We stand before our congregation. Yep. So there's going to be times that I may not use a song because of some particular theological piece in the song or so it's not very clear, it's ambiguous. Um, there probably will be a point where if someone strays far enough, I'm, I'm probably not going to use their music anymore yeah. just because I want to be safe. But, you know, I love Elevation Music. They've got a fantastic ministry. Um, you know, there's some things there that I've, you know, questioned or, or what have you, but uh, as long as their music still falls doctrinally good, they're singing about the Lord's attributes. They're singing about things that, that are appropriate and healthy for the church. I feel good about using that music, but I have to admit it, it does pull me at times when I see, uh, those things happen, especially like with Bethel and some of the things that, you know, you've and I've discussed offline about, um, just some things that concern us about the direction of, of that. Right. Uh, really not casting stones because somebody could cast stones at me, but I, I'm at the end of the day, I have to make a choice for, for our church. And, you know, I'm responsible for that. So. Well, just like we're saying with them, I mean, I would say, you know, you can follow us as far as we're biblical after that. You know, I mean, I certainly would say, I mean, Paul, Paul even writes that, right? You follow me to the extent that I follow Christ. Outside of that, don't worry about it. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of the same right. thing here. And so, you know, like let me, let me give you an example. I had a song recommended to me. The first two lines of the song, and many of you will know it when you hear these words: "We are an altar of broken stones, but you delight in the offering." Mm-hmm. I struggle with that line because mm-hmm. while I can theologically walk my way through it, I can explain that, I can I can work through that. If I have a problem with that on the surface, is that good to use? And I'm really struggling mm-hmm. with that. Uh, I mean, my wife and I were talking about that. And we we spent a long time because she she doesn't think of it the same way I do. The scripture says you don't he does not delight in sacrifices, but he wants our obedience. Right, that's what he wants. Mm. But the very first line of the song, in my mind, is contradictory to the word of God. But I Mm. get what they're saying. So, do I use it? Do I not use it? Throw another one out at you. Uh, (laughs) Let me throw another one out at you. And among worship pastors, this one's been beat to death and talked about. Oh, Uh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. I first heard this song and I thought, what in the world? God's love is not reckless and it immediately offends me. I tell you what changed my mind about that just a little bit. And and we don't use it a lot at our church. We have used it for a worship night one night. And, um, but I watched a video that 
I think it's Bethel that they produced with this song and it was them out on the street ministering to homeless people, mm. giving them food. And the whole video had the slant. It was very, very good, very well put together, but the whole video had a slant from, from the homeless man or the down, the indigent, the, the, the helpless person. God's love looks like it's just reckless. Right. Why would he throw his love on somebody like me? When I had that different spin and, and thought about that, you know, I was like, wow, that, that I, I got you. Okay. I understand that. I still think that I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to use it, but, but you know, we have, so that, that changed a little bit for me once I understood that from that view, is that what they're communicating? And is that what they're trying? Could they have communicated it better? Probably, <laughs> probably, you know, with a different word. <laughs> well, you know, then, you know, and I know you don't use that song. I know <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I cannot get yeah. past reckless. I just, I just can't. Yeah. Um, I know. And, and that's and for many, that's a lesson for many. They can't. And that's why I, I probably, I mean, I haven't used it since our worship night, like two years ago. So when yeah. it came out, I think I know they have done it here before and I, whatever, but I, I just struggle singing mm-hmm. that God is reckless. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, again, I understand the concept. I get it. I can yeah. explain it. It makes sense to me from a human perspective. It looks to be reckless when you consider you've got a hundred sheep, one goes away, you leave those ninety nine to go find the one. Yeah. It looks from a human and, and perspective, two, oh. yeah, it looks reckless. Yeah. But to call it reckless, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I just well, I, and this is the lesson for those who are out there. This is what this is what the struggle is. And I think to callously just say, you know, extreme, all this is crazy and this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the wrong approach. I think you really, like you and I talked about, we do sit and evaluate this stuff Mm -hmm. because that song really touched somebody. And I know somebody personally that that song really spoke to and Mm -hmm. and they saw it just the way I communicated. Maybe here's, here's the job that we need to do better communicate that message so they understand what we're singing. And I think that's probably for every song we use. Don't just sing it, communicate the message of the song. So, well, it's just like, you know, here I raised mine Ebenezer. What is that? I have no idea to this day. Ebenezer. Well, here you go. Well, I will teach you something tonight. If this is the only thing I teach you, come on, man. Well, for those of you that don't know, if you sing that line and you don't know what is Ebenezer, Ebenezer is two Hebrew words. It means stone of help. So think about the memorials that they set up uh, in the Old Testament as they would go as a, as a witness yep. to what they had agreed upon or whatever. Those are, that's what an Ebenezer is. It's a stone of help, a stone of remembering, a stone to help you understand what God has done uh, and to get you through. So next time you sing that line, you'll know. You better communicate that, though. Uh, yeah. I don't know how, what the percentage of people listening is going to know that. But when you stand in front of a church and you start singing Raise My Ebenezer, probably a good idea to communicate the truth of that. And well, that's a good opportunity to pour some word into people. Right. And as we talk about, you know, Lord Sabaoth, his name, what is that? You know, Lord of hosts. Mm, yeah. That's the Hebrew word for host or armies. So, you know, there, there's so much that we could get into. And I, I don't want to put the idea that it's only contemporary songs because I, I, I don't right. think that's the case at all. Um, because we, there, well, I've got a list of hymns that are, just, Oh, no yeah. question, man. <laughs> but, but, you know, you've got to evaluate everything you do and you're responsible for that. You are, when you sing these songs, you're the teacher. You know, when you yeah. set them up in your order of worship, you are the teacher. And the scripture tells us that we are going to be held, held accountable to a higher level than, you know, the average guy sitting out in the pew. Yeah. That's a heavy responsibility, and I take it very seriously, and I don't want to be held responsible for somebody having a wrong understanding of God because I sang a song that maybe I shouldn't have done. So it's like Paul said in Corinthians about the meat sacrifice to idols. Mm. So he said, you know, I, I know that these idols are nothing. They're just wood, hay, and stubble. Mm-hmm. I know that I can eat this meat and be fine. There's no demonic power attached to it, any of this craziness. But if I see a brother or a sister that I eat this meat and it, 
sears their conscience and it causes them to stumble, which is causing them to sin. In other words, they eat the meat, but they really think they shouldn't. But just because you're a leader and I see you do it, I'm going to go wholesale into this. Paul says, I don't eat the meat. Yeah. I'll put the meat aside. That's a good it's word. a it's a lesson in for 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 everything we see in our culture today. I have the right. Woohoo! We live in America. We have rights, but I have a greater responsibility than I have a right. So, and my responsibility is to those that that need the Lord, that have the Lord, uh, you know, both. So, yeah, that that is a great great word. Um, I don't know why that had not come to my mind, but I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Of you That's for why sharing we're doing that. this together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is a great word though, and I, I certainly yeah. appreciate that because. You know, it may be that somebody comes to you. We are called the complaint desk. It may be somebody comes to you and says, why did you sing that song? <laughs> it says X, Y, Z. And it may be a perspective you've not thought about and you do need to look at. Mm-hmm. Because if that, particularly in your context, if that would be a common view of the lyrics in that song, then you you need to rethink your use of that song. Because you don't need to be leading people astray. That's the last thing that you want to answer for when you stand before the the yeah. great white throne of judgment, you led mm-hmm. people away because you said I was reckless. And yeah, whatever. If you do the song, fine. Uh, you know, but, but just think about okay, the gravity. Danny, I won't use it again. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I won't use it again. <laughs> now that well, and this is an important thing too. We we've talked about this before. There's some songs that are just standards. You know right. that they're going to stick because they're theologically rich, or or the song. You can just you just know that that song. That's not to me one of those songs songs that stick. We won't be singing that fifty years from now, or twenty years, or probably even ten years from now. So my guess is, if you um, look at the not, charts, not it's probably already on the lower end of the charts. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is one of the things I, I think, think we so. maybe even said something the very first episode. Somebody will say, "Hey, we did that last week." Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, people are still doing you know songs that we did in the '90s. Um, and I'm, again, those Come, songs. Now is the time oh, to worship. Lord, I lift your name on high. Those songs. Okay, I please, stand, please, stand. please stop. <laughs> those songs certainly will have value. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to knock yeah. those songs by any means, but no. at the rate that worship songs are being put out, at the rate mm-hmm. that, that these things are published, especially today, they just, there's a lot. They just, they run their course very quickly. Well, and you know, this this is something else too. People say, well, it's just crazy how many songs are written today. I'm a huge fan of, of church history, but also church music history. It, songs were put out that much. I mean, Martin Luther had how many? 600 and some odd hymns he'd written down? I don't down? know. It's just not, you know, we're to a time here where media, social media, and everything can be pushed so much faster out right. of the public as where Fanny Crosby and her thousand some hymns uh, didn't get as prevalent, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, the same type of thing was, was done back then. It's just, we just didn't know about it as fast. Yeah. It didn't travel at the speed of the internet. And many times they had to die before we found their music. So. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> Chris Tomlin doesn't have to die before we find his music, you know? So no, but don't worry. The next one sounds just like the last. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Now he's got over with Giglio and all the the stuff now, so they're doing some pretty cool stuff. Now, I, again, I love Tomlin. We we sing his songs as well. So, yeah. uh, and I, I appreciate all these guys that are writing. Um, the bottom line is, look, read the lyrics, understand the lyrics, understand mm-hmm. your theological uh, commitments, uh, not only to yourself but also to the church. Understand what the expectations are on you. Understand how people may read some of these lyrics. And again, we we only very briefly touched on the the technical aspect of it. You know, is the range good? Are the rhythms singable? Um, you know, those are certainly things that you can you can do. Just remember, Chris Tomlin, he can sing notes that you and I can't. Um, and we're going to have to drop it oh down. Goodness. They can sing rhythms because they have 15 drummers and, and 12 electric guitar players mm-hmm. where you might have a halfway decent drummer every other Sunday. You, you, so evaluate mm-hmm. all those things. Are, is it appropriate for your, for your group? Um, I, I think those things make good sense. I think you'll be okay on those. So 
we're not going to go too deeply into that any longer, but the, 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 the theological implications, I think, are the big one. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. I, there was a quote that I had. A, a, like I say, I'm a big fan of church history and the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther had a lot to say about music. He had a lot to say about everything. And, and I'm thankful for his yeah. his 95 problems he had with the Catholic Church, for sure. I got a whole set of his he, books he had over a here. Quote. Yeah. So I, he had a, a quote that's been passed around for a while, but he says, um, I have no use for cranks who despise music mm-hmm. because it is a gift of God. Music drives away the devil. Uh, you think of the story of David. Mm-hmm. Uh, music drives away the devil and makes people joyful. So if they forget by all the wrath, unchastity, arrogance, and the like, next to theology, I give to music the highest place and the mm. greatest honor. That has always just stuck with me. It, it kind of embodies the importance of what we do. You know, mm. and sometimes mm-hmm. that's, you know, you know how how it is. We're like the bass player of 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 pastoral staff. You know. <laughs> I love bass players. I play the bass, by the way, but I, I, sometimes the bass players overlooked, you know. <laughs> I do too. If you're watching, there's two of them sitting right there behind me. But uh, yeah, I got one right back there. Yeah. Uh, right there. Actually, in my <laughs> love, love playing the bass, but but you're right in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and I will say this too. Um, as you read that quote from Luther, I, I think about Calvin. You know, the argument mm. back in that day was, "Do you have instruments in church? Um, do we even really have mm, to sing?" Yeah. You know, um, it's bar music. Yeah, yeah, it's bar music. But but Calvin said that that music is right in line with prayer. They're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Calvin was he's all in. He's like, yes, we, we need to sing. He said because those help us express ourselves to the Lord. Things that maybe we we wouldn't just say. Maybe things that we wouldn't even just think. But these songs, as we sing them. They, in a lot of ways, act as prayers from our heart, connecting us, uh, of course, to the heart of, of the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's so, good. Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. Calvin's got actually got a lot of good writing on that. Uh, if you've not read it, uh, I encourage you to, to do so. Um, I had never heard that quote before, but that's or that's good. That's good. Yeah, I only know it because uh, I had to write a paper on uh, – I forget what the paper was even on, but it was something to do with music in a service um, in seminary. I had to write a paper on that, and I found that quote, and it's stuck with me ever since. So yeah. um, so yeah. let's move on tonight. Um, we, we may have beat that horse firmly into the ground. Um, but but please, though, if you do Never. have questions about any of that, if, if there are things that we can help you with, um, you know, please reach out to us. Um, we, we would love to, to help and, and just help you think through things even if we need to. But so you mentioned it earlier. Um, I know you've got uh, your past 20 years in ministry. Uh, I'm oddly past 20 years in ministry. I'm not even that old. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, and I am. Yes, you are. (laughs) Uh, But God God has been so good to us. But but one of the things that we do want to talk about tonight is, you know, as you – as you've done ministry now for these years, um, let's let's talk about this a little bit. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've really found uh, in the ministry? What are the things that have, uh, whether good or bad, what are the things that have really stuck out to you as you think back through your time in, in, in ministry? What are the biggest surprises? What are the impacts that it's had? What are the what are the the ups the the downs? Give us something, man. What you got? One of the things that I've learned uh, here, uh, especially at our church now, is we're called the complaint desk. So, and, and this is a bit of a funny spin. We're trying to play funny at it. It's not we're not taking a bunch of complaints. What we're trying to do is is maybe get to the source of things and, and, and mm-hmm. understand that a little better as worship pastors. Mm-hmm. But many times, the people that that criticize or unfairly judge, and even judge you as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time to realize, but sometimes those people don't feel loved by you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've, I've come to even have that affirmed recently. A lot of times you may face a complaint or you may face those kinds of things in ministry from people. And it just feels like there's this enormous hatred they have. And it may be your fault as a pastor. They don't feel loved by you. Now, we can get into a little bit deeper that you're not responsible for someone's feelings. You know, if someone's 
casting their angry feelings on you. You're not necessarily responsible to, to, to hold that. But if I have been cross or unloving or mm. unconnected, um, everybody wants to, to know their pastor and feel connected with their pastor. And if I've done something to harm that in some way, maybe I don't even know. Mm. It's up to me to get into that and figure it out. And God has really, really taught me that in the last, especially the last several years, just the presenting issue that people come to you with a lot of times is not what they actually want to say. Mm. It's, it's a hurt they have or it's some kind of issue that's going on. It's and a it's symptom of a deeper me. problem. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. And sometimes I need to be uh, cognizant enough and in touch with the spirit enough to really dig into that and say, you know, look, I love you. And, you know, let's fix this or, or whatever mm. it is that all honestly goes miles, miles mm. as far as this complaint thing and, and that stuff that we've talked about. So that's yeah. one, that's one thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that just a step farther. Um, you know, one of the things I, I didn't even consider this as I, as I first got into the ministry, uh, even though, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. So, we, you know, we grew up. We were always at church. <laughs> Literally, if the doors were open, kids. <laughs> we probably opened them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and we'll close them and lock them up. Right? Yeah, that's right. Well, a lot of oftentimes we're the ones that close them and lock them up. But but so when you do have those folks that they finally decide, okay, you know what, this is just not the place for me anymore. It's amazing how much that hurts. Even if yeah. look, if they're really good friends, I mean, it just crushes you. But look, I, you know, you walk in, I walked in this place and it wasn't long before, you know, particularly with COVID and as people are kind of doing different things now, it wasn't long before we heard about, okay, this person's leaving, that person's leaving. I never met these people. It still hurts. Yeah. You know, it's like. You almost feel like in a way that they're, they're, well, you know what, Danny, church and and I've maybe rebelled against this, but, but church is a big family. We are a body of Christ. And when you, when you worship together and do ministry together, you're doing something in an intimate nature mm. before God. Yeah. And you're right. When, when sometimes when people decide to leave a ministry, it does hurt. And I had just reflected upon this. I uh, met with uh, a family uh, that, that had left our church a couple years ago Love this guy, love this guy, loved his wife, loved his family. And, you know, we reminisced about that and we hugged and we talked and, and I looked at him and I told him, I said, man, I, I really miss you, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it is a deep feeling that, yeah. that you feel, but I think it is because we're doing such an intimate thing together, joining hands, joining arms in ministry for the Lord. And it, 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 we're on this great mission and, for somebody to leave that, it just feels, feels it, it hard. It feels personal. The Lord guides that, right? Yeah, it feels personal, but, but sometimes the Lord guides that. Sometimes the Lord wants those people to go plant somewhere else, you know, but I always tell them, look, I've talked to God. You need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. And that, that's one of those things. It's really easy to say. It may be that God's calling them away. Yeah. It doesn't make it hurt less, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't make it hurt less. No. But, you know, at the same no. time. And sometimes it's hard to tell them that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yes. Yes, it is. At the same time, you know, you'll have church members leave, but also I mean, um, ministry staff, that turnover. Mm, yeah. I mean, you hear about the average pastoral ministry uh, in length of years, uh, I don't know what it is now. The the word, you know, probably ten fifteen years ago was always you know two and a half three years is the average length of a of a pastoral ministry. You, yeah. you barely know your people's names at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been at our church for four years, and and I feel like I'm just getting a grasp of of people's names and who they are as people and their families and That's things right. like that. And, and certainly not everybody. Uh, with a church our size, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Well, I've been here six months and I know people from the <laughs> nose up. If I see somebody yeah. out in public, um, I, I saw some church members the other day without a mask. <laughs> I had no clue who they were. <laughs> 
it's just crazy to me how that you better act how appropriate works. at all times. All times, yes, because somebody's always watching. At all times, but you know, I just yeah. thought that was so funny, though. You know, you just you just don't know people right now. You know, but anyway, you know that pastoral staff. It's amazing, particularly as a worship pastor. You know, you walk in and you hear your pastor resign, and it's like your world's mm-hmm. rocked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. okay, he's gone. Now now what? You know what? And I'm gonna say this. Nobody's listening, right? So <laughs> I'm gonna say this. Sometimes it it you said it feels personal. Sometimes you're just like, What why didn't you talk to me? You know, if it got this bad, why didn't you talk to me? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you talk to you know, why don't we work this out? And I understand there's a lot of details with with these things, and we're just talking in a general yeah. sense, but yeah, you're talking about they didn't teach us this in seminary, did they? No. You know that that kind of oh. interpersonal relationship. So it does hurt. It does affect you, especially when your families were linked. You know, oh, yeah. so it's not just me. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's their kids. It's it's his wife. And yeah, well, it's crazy because because you you go to church Sunday morning, all all's good. When the service is over, suddenly you're the only pastor oh. left. Yeah. <laughs> Well, brother, um, <laughs> I am currently that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's all as well. Yeah. Everything seems good, and then before you can blink, you got the yeah. reins of the whole thing, and you're like, "All right, what do I do with this?" Well, it goes into what we what we had said before about this. You better know that you're called, mm. and that's a that's a must. Yeah, a worship leader, worship pastor, whoever you are, you better know that God has called you to this because when that happens. And you feel, you know, those feelings and that abandonment and you realize the responsibilities on you or at least on the lay leaders of your church as well as you, um, it, it's heavy yeah. and it can be heavier than you think. Yeah. Um, it has in, in my ministry in 20 years, I have felt this on two occasions. One time, uh, depression, mm. stress all those things came to bear. Mm. Uh, this, this current situation has not been, I've, we've got great people in our church that have just crowded around me and other leaders in our church and, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's been much better, but there's, there's another time in ministry where it was not such and not, mm. not that way. And well, the, the devil can really get you then, you know, when you start feeling those feelings. So, yeah. And it doesn't take long for you to just shut everything else out and you stew and all those. And before you know it, I mean, mm. you're just, you're in a bad place. You're not in any shape to lead anybody. Yeah. That that's tough. Not even your family. And that was another point mm. that uh that we wanted to raise here. One of the bigger surprises in ministry in the twenty years that I've had is the impact it has on your family, right? Yeah. Um, good and bad. Yeah. There's mountaintops and there's mega low valleys, mega low, right? Mm. Um super low valleys and you know, that's where the dad in you comes out. You oh, want to yeah. see your family not suffer through the things that, that you know as an adult and as a, as a husband that, that you don't want to see them go through that stuff. Yeah, You better be grounded in the faith, mm-hmm. and you better believe and know what you believe, and you better have a personal walk with the, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if any of those things are shaken, it's a rough road. It's a rough road. Yeah. But God uses that. Yeah. God uses that in our lives. I know you personally have been through some issues and, and, and God has used you in some pretty mighty ways with that. And it's still doing so. Yeah. So, well, the last thing I really want to add this here, is the real talk. Uh, yeah. Real talk, real talk. And the last thing I want to add <laughs> this here, is real talk. this, this is a heavy one. Um, you, you mentioned it very briefly earlier. Um, but one of the biggest surprises to me, particularly here recently over, I'd say the last five years is how quickly, you the the whole thing just comes off the rails. Um, mm, yeah, you know, you look at um, like the Ravi Zacharias. You look at some of the other stuff that we that's come out over the last uh, yeah, five five seven years. Like, wow, I mean it's yeah. it's just insane when you start thinking about what these folks have been accused of, and uh, mm-hmm. and that has been. Every time that happens, that just, I mean, that, that absolutely rocks your world because these are things that, you know, you hold, you, you tend to hold these people up and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't necessarily, you know, look to folks as, as spiritual leaders, 
but maybe we held them up too high. Um, maybe we looked mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe we looked to them too much. Maybe we, maybe we gave too much where we should not have, and and we see the whole thing, the whole ministry, just completely come off the rails. I tell you, that has been a well, just honestly, a shock. The, the The biggest part of that for me was the first thing I shook my head at, and when I think you and I text each other, what does this do to the testimony of Christ? You know, oh, we yeah. know the testimony of, of Jesus Christ is solid and impenetrable and, and wonderful, but his followers are really painting such an ugly picture that, you know, if it's politics or if it's, you know, these kinds of things that happen and everything we're hitching our wagon to today as Christians, we, we've got to take it and we've got to understand that we have a responsibility. We're carrying the name of Christ should be in front of us. Sometimes we carry it in our back pocket like it's not important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, carrying that in the front, we are responsible for, for how that's viewed by others, you know. Mm. Well, it's, you know, I, I was reading, uh, I've started reading this new book, and uh, it's called, uh, sorry, it's called Cultural Intelligence. And and I actually posted, I shared yeah. a quote from it this week that I thought was uh, was really good. I was looking for it here. Um here you go. Something you said just reminded me of this. And this this will be a good reminder just to end on tonight uh, as we finish up. But uh, Daryl Bach. I want to end on a good one. I want to end on a good one before you, before okay. you do that. Because we right. kind of hit the, the bad, bad well, surprises. All right. Well, well let me read this then, and then we'll, we'll move on. Daryl Bach writes this. He writes, cultural intelligence calls us to see ourselves as ambassadors representing God, not so much as citizens of a particular earthly nation or political view but as citizens of his kingdom. Our mission is to offer an invitation, pleading with any tribe and any nation to reconcile to God, showing love to any and all people. And that's, I mean, that certainly is, as a group, we have not done a very good job of that, just in general. Um, so yeah. look, take take that. Learn, learn from what these guys are doing. I mean, just don't be that guy. Don't be that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's silly advice, but God is bringing to bear those things, and it does serve as an example of uh, to us to be better. Everything will come um, to light, whether it's that, now yeah. or later. Yeah. And uh, let's end on this tonight, and it's it's a rather good one. I, I kind of reflected upon this. Um, another big surprise that I've, I've seen in ministry in the last 20 years is the different types of of love and loyal support that you find in, in some of your church members. Mm. And I give you a couple examples. Like this morning I walk in my office and there's a card on my desk. Mm. I don't even know how they got in. Like my <laughs> office is locked by two doors. You know, I don't know how to get in, but Lockpicks, man. there's a, a card there and I open this card and a letter falls out and I open this letter and it is a, a, um, a, a loving few paragraphs of the things that this person has seen me do mm. in the last couple of years at, at our church. Mm. And, and they had it actually in kind of a poetry form. And I just about cried. I thought, you know what? Nobody's ever, I don't even know, pays attention to this kind of stuff. And they're like, I saw you do this. And so you do that. And you really spoke to us here and you did this here. And I saw you get involved here. And they just wanted to thank me for that. Mm. And I'm telling you, it, do that for your pastor if it's true, <laughs> but do that for your pastor. It, it, it boosts so much within mm-hmm. our souls and within our hearts. Um, if you're a worship leader out there, do that for your pastor, you know, lift him up, acknowledge him, tell him, mm-hmm. you know, I see the hard work you're doing. I'm in the trench with you and, and, and here it is. And we're going to do this. But um, yeah. So yeah, that's a good word. Those, those letters of encouragement, man, you know, I, I know we talk about this all the time. You you can get all the complaint. I'm sorry, not complaints. You compliments. Sorry, I'm stuck on complaint desk. <laughs> compliments, you get, man. Compliments. You get all the compliments. You, you know, you let's say you get ten compliments on Sunday morning as you're walking out, yeah. and then you get the one that says, "I didn't like that song," or the music was too loud, or whatever. Yeah. And suddenly yeah. those those ten hypothetical compliments, where mm. are they? <laughs> Go out the door, yeah, yeah. But it, it's incumbent upon us. There, there are people that that love you and that come alongside you. You may not even see them. Yeah. This this person, I didn't know, 
one, I didn't know that they had the ability to write kind of poetry like that. And then number two, I would have never thought that I would received a letter like that with this person. And I've always had a great relationship and this person does a lot around our church and I mean, it was just nice. Yeah, uh, it was just nice. It was a high. I mean, I got a couple other examples, but we're yeah. we're out of time. I tonight, mean, you, so. you certainly don't do it for those, but you know, it's, it's like they yeah. always come at at the right moment. God uses that just to say, "Hey, you know, I see you." Yeah. So, so quickly, what are you Beth, doing? Beth Moore used to call it a God moment. Oh yes, <laughs> very quickly. What are you doing on Sunday? Yeah. Uh, so the aforementioned elevation, uh, doing only King forever. So we're starting with that one Sunday, uh, glory to God forever. It's a Steve Fee song. Um, maybe a little older now, but, uh, build my life. We're doing build my life Sunday. And I thought of you. So I had to put a hymn in Jesus paid it all. Yes. (laughs) Nice job. So that's what we're up for Sunday. I, I applaud you for throwing some, some good old hymns in there, brother. Yeah. Oh, I love Jesus paid it all. Yeah, man. I'll fly away. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Come Jesus on, man. paid it all. I'll do. <laughs> We've got uh, Lion and the Lamb. Death was arrested. Yeah. Uh, oh, praise the name. And great are you, Lord, and our uh, contemporary service. Um, it, you know, God, God is, I really feel like something's about to break. Not not in a bad way, in a good way. Um, yeah. You know, and I want to be sensitive to that. Uh, you know, I, w- I want people to be thinking about how great he is, how good he is, yeah. and how perfect he is, and how much he loves us and, and, and wants us to draw close to him. And so, you know, it's kind of kind of where I'm going there. Um, and, of course, in our more traditional service, oh, worship the king. Love, love, love it. Um, I love that song, yeah. yeah. I have sung that in years. And uh, here's one I've not done in a very long time. All people that on earth do dwell. So we're going to wrap it up with the doxology there. Um, you know, funny, just a real quick, funny little thing, man. That song, when I was learning to play piano, was the bane of my existence. I don't know what it was about oh, the gosh. old hundredth, but it kicked my tail every Sunday. <laughs> You're out of here. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why it was, but just when it came to playing that song, man, it it's like it came off the rails every week. But we got it, man. I I, I got it on lock yeah. now. I about play it from memory. I think so. Well, you but, should. You've already had to practice it a hundred million times. <laughs> Maybe two hundred million. Well, listen. Thank you all for joining us. Whether you have uh, have been joining us on YouTube tonight, thank you for for jumping in on that. Yeah. Um, a neat thing that we're trying. We'll see where it goes. But uh, and for all of you that are listening later on, thank you so much. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Please share this with uh, your pastors, with your worship pastors, or uh, friends, or wh- whatever anybody that could benefit from hearing this enemies. discussion. Yeah, yeah, please, and your enemies, <laughs> share it with them too. Maybe it'll be a way of getting back at them. But um, yeah. yes, pl- please share it if you have questions. Again, info at thecomplaintdesk.com. Uh, we're on social. We're not real great at kind of keeping up with all that yet, but uh, certainly email. You can send that in. Um, and, of course, if you're live streaming, we're always open to chat there. So whatever questions you've got, uh, we can address those. We would love to do so. So uh, thank you so much, Doug. Thanks for being here tonight, man. I know it's a, it's a later night for Thanks, us, man. but I appreciate you hanging out and um, yeah. look forward to next time. I expect different lighting next week. You need to work on your background a little bit. This is just what it got, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, we get too much light, it shines off this old dome, man, you know, so. Uh, well, I know my wife told me about that tonight. So I got a little shiny spot right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> put some makeup on that, brother. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we, again, as always, we're praying for you. We, uh, we're praying as you lead on Sunday and Doug, we're praying for you guys too. It's an exciting transition as you guys are getting ready to enter into that. Pray for your people. Uh, all of you pray for your people, pray for your pastors, uh, lift them up because it's, uh, the only way, only way we can do anything we do is, is in the power of the spirit. So again, thank you for being here. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Y'all have a great night.